Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and Tony Evans of the Evening Standard. The main course has arrived. It's time to tuck into the Champions League. Six British teams in action, countless storylines to explore. Let's start with Spurs. They're in the proverbial group of death. Real Madrid, Borussia Dortmund. You see any way through for them, Johnny? Well, they start with the most important game, I think, that that the whole thing will hinge on. You'd expect Real Madrid to, to win that group, or at least they'll be one of the two qualifying. Um, and you know, Apoel should be beatable for Spurs. So I think it comes down to a straight shootout between them and Dortmund. And there's real similarities between the two teams. You know, Dortmund have got a very young, exciting side. Uh, they're in a slight rebuilding phase, but they've got an incredible ability to to keep renewing themselves as a club without having the the money that the others do. So you could say the same of Tottenham, really, in terms of identity. They've got Peter Bosch, who's come from Ajax, who did so well last year. So he's going to be quite a formidable adversary for, for Pochettino um, and it comes down to I think these two teams which is going to get into the, the knockout stages and, and this game, Spurs home game if, if Wembley is a home game still for them it's, it, it's really crucial for them because not don't win this one and suddenly they're, they're behind it in such a difficult group mm. Are they almost better off treating it actually as an away game because you know, they're, they're tonking teams away from home aren't they? <laughs> yeah well I mean they need to put this Wembley hoodoo thing to bed and this is the perfect chance this week you know if they beat Dortmund uh, no one will care and then they've got Swansea which is a, a, a tasty half volley on on, um, <laughs> on Saturday if they don't score four there I'd be surprised I was talking to some people uh, around Everton uh, after the Tottenham game and they were saying that uh, Ericsson, Kane and Ali as a threesome was uh, one of the best I've ever seen and they were saying how impressive they were and I think this is the moment when Tottenham all Tottenham's potential needs to coalesce they need really to put in a performance here to make a mark on Europe Uh, because of course like Dortmund they are very vulnerable to having the best players being Mm. picked off because uh, their pay scales are Mm. I mean the likes of Harry Kane could be getting Three times mm. the money's on at, at White Hart Lane. Well, Wembley now. <laughs> um, so um, I think this is a really crucial time for Tottenham. And I, I, I think they can rise to it because they do have a fantastic group of players. What about uh, Dali Ali, mm. Johnny? There is a sense that he's going through his first little turbulent patch, you know, with the uh, yeah. middle digit uh, <laughs> gate. Uh, and the expectation on him is huge. Yeah. He's great. Asset was always been, he just took everything in his stride, didn't really take it that seriously almost. Is he now beginning to realise how good he can be and what that will mean to him? Yeah, I, 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 I agree that it's, it's a 
testing period for Deli Ali, and I've got questions about him. I have to say, um, the the middle finger is an irrelevance. It's just a, just a young man doing something a bit daft. That's fine. Um, I think he's changed as a player a little bit, and that, it, go, it feeds into to the point you make, Mike, because it, I think he's realised, or, or he's maybe been seduced by the power of scoring goals and and how much sort of kudos that gives him from from all of us. And and I've seen him change his game a little bit and, and, and you know almost forget the midfield part of it or the creative part of it and, and he seems to be hell-bent now on almost playing as a striker. Now if he's going to do that he then has to be judged as a striker and actually he, he's, he's not Harry Kane. His scoring rate isn't going to be as good as that you know especially in the different setting of Europe or internationals. If you look at him internationally two goals and 20 for England. If you look at him in Europe one goal and 17. So that suggests that he's not there yet as a top goal scorer. And I have to say, I preferred the Deli Ali last season, who was joining the play a little bit more. He's got so much in his game, using the athleticism, using the, the vision that he's got to do a bit more. I just wonder if he's going to be one of these English players, because it's, it's something that happens to English players that just get obsessed with scoring and you know forget there's a little bit more to it than that. Kane's got that obsession, 101 goals so far. How good can he be, Tony? Oh, I think he's fantastic. For someone who lacks a bit of pace, mm. he's just unbelievable. His movement's superb. And when you, when you look at those uh, 101 goals for Tottenham, it, there's another side of it. He, he's played, he played, I think, 46 games on loan. That's almost a full season yeah. on loan. Imagine if Tottenham would have realised how good he was early on and stopped trying to give him away. Mm. You know, it's, um, he, he's, he's got everything. And what I like about him most is he doesn't point the finger at other people until he's certain he's given everything himself. And, um, and you know, if, if you look down the road to Arsenal, there are players who are not like that. Mm. Um, he is the quintessential team player and probably the best striker we've seen in certainly an English striker since Shearer, and that's incredibly high praise. I loved his modesty when he when he scored that terrific goal against Everton, but you know he, he admitted it was a cross and not a shot. I don't mm. think many strikers would do that. No. Mm. Mm. What about the way Pochettino's handling the group now? It, it seems if you if you're looking for weaknesses, there seems to be a bit of conventional wisdom about that they still need someone who maybe plays a bit wide can get past people. Mm -hmm. How close was Spurs to being a finished article? Yeah, that is that is the flaw because Kyle Walker gave them quite a lot of that and they don't have Danny Rose at the moment who also gave them that balance. Um, and they will find, they'll find against Dortmund, a team that will play a little bit more cautiously than they used to in the Premier League, that will sit in and be compact in the middle. They'll need to go on the outside. So um, the, 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 they, they do still look like... And it's because of what Tony said about how they lose players because of the finances. They still look almost there, but not quite, which is where they've been for the last two seasons. But Pochettino, you, I, you couldn't, couldn't fault him in any single way. I think he gets the absolute maximum out of what he's got and doesn't moan, gets on with it, um, keeps him inspired. I think it's more a club question as to if they're going to make that next step. It's maybe something they're going to have to do with their pay skills and, mm. and, and ambition, I guess. Because the landscape has changed around him, hasn't it? You, know, you look at PSG, you know, they are a, a plaything, you know, mm. an, an embassy for an entire <laughs> emirate. Uh, PSG, are they a good thing for football or a bad thing? <sighs> mm. That's a really difficult question. Um, 
I think they're, they're a good thing in the sense of trickle-down economics and spreading <laughs> some money around. Um, so the agents will love them in that sense. Uh, they're a bad thing in the a comp almost completely artificial club being um, sort of manufactured and into a European power without the credentials. Um, I think it's modern football. Um, so I'll, I'll sit on the fence here and say, hmm. deny that they're just a modern football thing. Um, I personally find the whole thing a little bit distasteful. But the problem is UEFA's Financial Fair Play Committee allowed them to do um, some of these payments um, from the, the, the government and allowed them through last time. And they've left the door open. Mm. They'll just, and they'll push, they'll push. Uh, each time they do it, they'll push it further. Well, further. if you sign them 100 million, they don't, they don't really yeah, care, do they? Mm. The, the, the only punishment that would, would make any impact would be a, a you know on-the-pitch punishment, a ban from European football or whatever. I mean, I, I'm queasy about using a country's money to fund a football club because you know that there's a lot of things that that country could be doing with its money that, that might benefit its citizens a little bit more. But in football terms, um, it's we've had the the kind of dominance of, of Real Madrid and Barcelona economically as much as anything else, mm. which probably is something to do with how they're supported by the Spanish authorities as well. So PSG have actually changed that, which there's something refreshing about that in the way that Manchester City have been refreshing and challenging the traditional power. They've certainly in upset Barcelona, haven't they? When you see Real Madrid, Barcelona and even Man United yeah. crying crocodile tears about the likes of PSG and yeah. City, then you think, hang on a second, because they've financially bullied people for yeah. years. And, and now, now, yeah, now someone else is doing it and, and, and they're unhappy. Well, mm. I mean, it, it's, get used to it because it's not going away. What it does, it gives us a Champions League with, you know, an extra superpower in it, which from a just armchair supporter point of view, that's fantastic. You know, it's great seeing the great players shared around a little bit, seeing Neymar in a different setting. Um, and Barcelona will have to, you know, they'll still be all right, but they'll have to do something else. That, that From a football point of view, that's interesting. Mm. Let's talk about the paupers. Brendan Rodgers, you've been to yeah. see him um, the last couple of days. He's not quite sitting outside the local tube station with an angry <laughs> dog and playing a banjo looking for the old copper here and there. But Celtic have got such a disadvantage, haven't they, in the Champions League? They do, and, and it's a, such a strange dichotomy for Celtic because they're kings of Scotland. You know, they, they, they outpay anyone else in Scotland by the power of two, and that's Rangers. And then, you know, go to the rest of the league, they're outpaying by the power of three or four. And yet they go to Europe, um, you know, and, and they're record signing something like six, seven million. Um, you know, they're, they're paying £20,000 a week, whereas Neymar's earning six hundred grand a week. And they're trying to balance playing Hamilton Aggies on a plastic pitch on Friday night and then going into facing, you know, this world superpower uh, in full glare of the Champions League on a Tuesday. I mean, I, I, I've been, you know, I've worked in Scotland when I watched Rangers try to solve that problem while they were winning nine in a row and then going into Europe. Um, it was. It, it's always been something that's really difficult for the, the Scottish champions to, to to do. But what I would say is that I, I think what Brendan is doing there is giving him pretty much the best chance of doing something in the Champions League because he's got you know he's gone into full Brendan mode. He's, he is the Messiah there. <laughs> he's got everybody believing that this is this is some incredible happening taking place, and that's half the battle because he's got his players fully inspired. He'll have that crowd there, you know. At a volume that you wouldn't believe, 
and that Celtic's chance of, of doing something against PSG, they will, that, that atmosphere and, and, and the intensity of Celtic's players will ask a question of PSG. Mm. And, and so, to so, a certain extent, uh, PSG, you've got a similar problem, a mega club yeah. in a relatively poor league. Mm. So, and that, that will give Celtic a chance as well. Mm. With Brendan, you saw him at Liverpool. Yeah. Messiah or a naughty boy or somewhere in between? <laughs> <laughs> a more naughty boy than Messiah. Um, no, he's, he's actually a good football manager yeah. to a, um, perhaps not the manager he thinks he is, but you know, it's, um, and, and he's done a great job there. I mean, Celtic um, have got quite a nice shape about them. They and, do. Um, and as you say, they're all inspired. They're, you know, they're all working hard. Tierney looks a player. Well, yeah. He develops young players. Like, mm. if, if, you, if you're looking at him just as a football coach and taking away the, the persona, he is very good at improving players. You know, maybe there's other things he's not elite at, but in terms of creating and improving players, Tierney's now a, a, a European class footballer and he's a kid that, you know, four or five years ago wasn't even being selected from the youth team as, as one of their best sort of six or seven prospects. So he's done a brilliant job there. He's, he gets, you know, someone like Scott Brown, he's reinvented him as a footballer. He's, he's inspired him. He's really? given him. Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. Well, against Hamilton Ackes he has. <laughs> no, no, no. Scott, Scott Brown was... <laughs> Was, He's yes, got to be the most overrated, under-talented player I've seen no. in years. You haven't That's seen the rest harsh. of the football. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he can play. I mean, he's, he's... I don't think he would thrive in the Premier League, but he can, he can play OK. I mean, he's, he's, you know, holds his position tactically quite good. Um, he can, he can, you, you're looking so sceptical, Mike. He's found, <laughs> found his level, to be fair, hasn't he? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't pull up trees in the Premier League, but he's one of the best players in Scotland. Let's look at Liverpool, mm. uh, you know, the team that, uh, either, that left Brendan behind, let's put it like that. How much have they improved, or have they improved at all, in the transition to Jurgen Klopp? Well, I think they've improved up front. Um, I think what Klopp's done with uh, his front line is really impressive, the, the, the movement, the pace. Um, they're even, you know, uh, Brendan had Suarez, yeah. which obviously made a huge difference. But, I mean, th this group of forwards is as exciting as the Suarez team. Um, as for um, as for leaving the back door open, I think Klopp um, got the memo from Brendan to do it and carries on doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in the midfield, they, they haven't, they've gone backwards. I think the defence is a shambles. The defence he put out against Manchester City, mm. the Sturton defence is probably the worst defence in the Premier League. Um, and when, when you when you think Manchester City are on the same pitch, that's saying something. Um, it was really poor, and the. Uh, uh, the way they threw the towel in after the sending off mm. was just absolutely stunning. So I think um, I, I think you've got to be guarded in your praise of Klopp. I think people have overpraised him in this almost two years he's been there because I don't think overall there's been enough improvements to give him the, the to for, for him to succeed succeed in the Messiah position that Brendan made as well. Mm. You're a mm. yes, he had. Mm. Were Tony's criticisms valid? It's not far off. I mean, it was a dreadful defence. You know, Moreno is a, a, a non-defender for a start. Clavan, I couldn't understand him playing Clavan for his first big game of the season, only his second start, way off it. 
Uh, and then you've got the kid, Alexander-Arnold, who will be a fine player, but really difficult to, to He ask. was targeted, wasn't he? He was targeted, and, and you know, he'll learn from it, but he wasn't half exposed. When you bring through young players, what you should do is bring them through an environment with experienced mm. professionals who are doing good jobs around them. You don't throw them in with a bunch of topes. No, mm. and you've got Joe Gomez, who's been the on, on form by far the Liverpool's best defender. On the bench, didn't understand that. Lovren was supposedly tired, but Lovren's a senior pro. You know, would 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 in September? <laughs> yeah, would Ronnie Hates have been tired or whatever? You know, you, you, if he's a, your senior defender, he plays, and that's the end of it. Um, and Tony's right that, that that what Klopp hasn't done is is paid any real attention to improving that defence. And given that the the amount of money he could have spent in the summer that was available for him. You know, they could have done £140 million of business on deadline day. They just couldn't get the players. To have that amount of money and not to improve your defence, I think, does mean you have to ask a question asked of you. When, though, do you judge a coach? Do you judge him on results, but also on player improvement? And that means being a, an effective coach on the training ground. Well, I, I, I think being an effective coach on the training ground will lead to results. And, uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, we were talking about Brendan Rodgers needing a defensive coach, and Brendan laughed it off and ended up getting the sack. Um, you know, you wonder whether it, it's a long stand. Well, it is a long standard issue at Anfield. And the problem is not just the manager, it's recruitment. Mm. They, they were after Van Dijk, who wouldn't have solved that defensive problems. He, he'd be an upgrade. But... W- Consistently, Liverpool over the last few years have failed to buy defenders, have failed to recruit defenders. I had a conversation in 2014, um, the, the year that they made the title challenge and just missed out, with a very, very senior person at Anfield. And I, I said to him, Why are you after Salah? I said, and, You know, when the manager wants defenders, he said to me, Oh, the recruitment staff say there's no defenders out there. I said, If you're telling me that, you know, if you're telling me that there's no 30 goal a season strikers out there, I'll say, yeah, but defenders, they should be 10 a penny. You know, it should be the cheapest and easiest position mm. to fill. He said, no, no, no. He said, no, definitely not. He went back to his recruitment staff and asked them again. And they come back and said, no, there are none out there. My view is sack them all if that's the way they're thinking. <laughs> One interesting aspect of uh, the Seville game yeah. on Wednesday, uh, Klopp is saying that Coutinho's going to play. Good idea, bad idea? Well, I'm confused by it because he's gone from needing a week's extra training to being in the starting lineup. So I suppose that's what happens when you get beaten 5 0. Um, I think it's a good idea from the point of view that he's in the top two or three of Liverpool's players, if not their number one player. Um, but we'll find out his state of mind. It's a, it, it's a good it's, it's like Alexis Sanchez at Arsenal. You know, I, I thought. That was going to be a good idea for Arsenal to have this player that was re- eager to get away, but for another season, so he'd, he'd play really well, like like, Su- like Suarez did at, at Liverpool in that, in that incredible season. But then we've seen that Sanchez's attitude isn't really like that, and until seeing Coutinho um, in the flesh, tested on the pitch, we're not really going to know. But if he's if he's if he's not up for it. Then it'll be it'll be a dreadful idea, of course, because Liverpool need everybody to be high octane and, and, and fully committed to play the way Klopp plays. It's a slightly different situation for Sanchez because he's under contract to yeah. Coutinho and he needs a good season to yeah. get the move. 
and with the World Cup coming. Whereas Sanchez is, you know, we can talk to other clubs yeah. come January. He's got a World Cup to look on the horizon and a new employer <laughs> in next season. You're a bit like, oh, why would they put my body on the line for Arsenal? Whereas if Coutinho has a bad season, well, Barcelona might go colds on him. So I, I, I think it's a pr pretty good idea. And you know what? The thing is, he'll go back to Melwood and all the other players understand. You know, they, they wish they were getting you know, mm. a call from Barcelona. Klopp understands. He'll be, he's disappointed, but will, he's not a difficult character. Will the fans understand? Fans never understand, do they? Fans always think, you know, the, the, the players have got their, you know, their sense of culture and loyalty to the club mm. and the, the professionals. And, and if the fans were taking out the stands and put on the pitch... Yeah. They'd be looking at the pay packet and they'd be looking at the of chance of winning medals. The 5-0 the, the actually makes it easier for them with the fans because the fans need, need a lift, they need something mm. to happen. So from a funny point of view, that makes the conditions better for Coutinho to come back. Mm. City have got a potentially tricky tie final. Yeah. Um, I say, you saw them on Saturday. What's your overview of, of where they are? What do they need to do to get better? Yeah, I mean, they've got that. So it's an interesting group because Feyenoord and Napoli are both the kind of games that we'll expect them to win, but they'll actually be more difficult than, mm. than most mm. people imagine, especially away from home. Um, it was hard in a way to judge them too much on Saturday because they were brilliant at the things that we know they're already brilliant at. Great interchange, passing, De Bruyne was sensational, up front, incredible firepower. But in a 5-0 victory, they still managed to look poor at the back. So the things that we'd question them for, I'm not sure if they've improved in those areas. And I am not as wowed by City's summer transfer business as a lot of people. I, I just think they've bought more of the same. They've bought two attacking fullbacks, but they haven't sort of sorted their defence. So they're kind of like Liverpool in that way. Yeah, where's the midfield? And you, know, you can't win. Well, Fernandinho played really well, but he, yeah, but you can't you can't win Champions Leagues, and you can't even win titles with one midfielder. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and and it's great watching them go forward. It's it's, but you know, once once you get behind the 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 attackers like Liverpool, there's there's acres of space to run into in the midfield, and defenders who are like rabbits in a in headlights. I mean, Otto Mendy. Oh my was, goodness! You know, yeah, no. So you're, you're between a rock and a hard place there, aren't you? You've got Otamendi or Mangala. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dam on Dama. And, and you're the world's richest, or one, maybe the world's second richest club, and you've got yourself in a position where you're choosing between Otamendi and Mangala. It's incredible. And that's, that's bad recruitment for you. But, but, well, they have to, they've got a better keeper. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Mm. But... It, you know, so if he doesn't get a knock on the head every game, um, but <laughs> not it, another red card debate. Okay, <laughs> yeah. but, um, it's also a bit to do with Pep's philosophy, isn't it? Mm. You know, this this he wants to win his way. He wants to impose his way of playing on the Premier League, and I'm, I don't see signs of it working in the near future. Mm. You talk to people around that club, and there is the definite sense of Pep's people. Very tight circle, mm. and the rest. Yeah, mm. is that good for the club long term? I would say no. I I I I, I think that's exactly the impression I've got as well. Um, I suppose if Pep wins, it's fine. But the question is, what happens if this experiment doesn't work, and this power block then just leaves town, and what, what's left of the rest of the the club? Um, I think the, the, the people who are allowed to dominate a club, the individuals, I think have to kind of earn it. So obviously Ferguson dominated Manchester United by the end, but he, he you know he climbed to that mm. position of power. 
Pep's come in and he's just been given the train set and, and, and everyone else has been locked out of the, of the, of the playroom. I think some that there are some checks on him. For example, I think I think he would have offloaded Aguero for Sanchez mm. if he would have had the opportunity. But saner minds at the club, you know, made it clear that that wasn't going to happen. There is this sort of haughtiness about him. Isn't he? You know, he's got those screens erected so no one can see them train. You know, that's sort of almost yeah. like professional paranoia. Yeah, and he's got. I mean, he's got the people around him. You know, he's got Manuel Estartu turns up in press conferences to see what we're asking him, and um, you, you never get to speak to the Spanish execs. Um, and whereas Manchester City can be very transparent in other ways, there's a, there's a mm. you know, they want to be transparent as a club, but but not that power block. Um, so there is a there is a there's a sense everyone's protecting Pep. There's a sense that the circles. A shield for him, which I think is a terrible but, shame. But there's, there's also arrogance there. There's, you know, a press conference of questions asked, and there'll be glances between the Spaniards as if to say, yeah. "These know not," and you know, we're not that <laughs> stupid at this lot. Yeah. Nice quiet time across the across the city, Jose. <laughs> He's thrown this week, Louis Van Gaal and David yeah. Moyes straight under the bus. This is what he does. I mean, every club. He's fascinating in psychology. Every club he goes to, he trashes the people that have come before him. And then when he leaves that club, he then trashes the people who succeed him. So, you know, when he turned up at Chelsea second time around, the first thing he did was, was make fun of Rafael Benitez for winning the Europa League. You know, obviously, <laughs> fast forwarding, let's say, at Man United, yeah. when he does it, it's suddenly a, a great success. But the first thing he did at Chelsea was basically took the mickey out of Rafa for winning the, Euro the Europa League. Um, if you think about how he, you know, he decried Ranieri first time around when he when he arrived, everybody that's ever managed a club that, that he identifies with, except for him, is rubbish. But it's part of the narrative that he creates, which is, you know, he is the man with the answers, the, the, the special answers. Kepa has all bounced back though, hasn't he? You know, it's uh, <laughs> last season he looked like a really miserable. He has. Yeah. Um, a man and he, he was struggling with, you know, with everything, living in Manchester. Yeah. It, it, the job of his dreams didn't seem to be the one you know, that was satisfying him. But now, you, you know, when he's, he's attacking everyone, he's got a bit of his yeah. old swagger. And, and to be fair, his team are, are fantastic. Every signing they've made, except for Mkhitaryan mm. since he come in, has been way over six foot. You know, he, he's, he's yeah. building a team to bully the Premier League, you know, the, the, the brutes. And, um, and I think we'll see a lot of that this season. I'm not sure it'll work in Europe, mm -hmm. but I mean, even he's saying it'll take a while for them to get, together, get mm. things together in Europe. Well, Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan seems to be putting it together now. Yeah, he does. I mean, he, it, and it's a joy because he's a fabulous player to watch, some of his little through balls. Um, and that's good management by Mourinho. To be fair to him, when, when he took him out of the team at the start of last season, we, we wondered almost if he was being cruel to him, um, humiliating this sort of great player that he'd signed. But Matt, Matter went through the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. I suppose Martial's had the similar thing. Luke Shaw's still in that sort of in that naughty step and we're not, we're not sure if he'll ever get off it. But with Mkhitaryan, he's got him up to speed. I think he's playing him in the right area now. I think he has mm. to play centrally. He's a number 10 and, and he can thread those balls through. But he's another one that's benefited from, from Matic's arrival. Yeah, without a doubt, I was just about to say the same thing. Matic has made this, uh, uh, given Pogba the ability yeah. to get forward, Mkhitaryan to play in the areas he wants to. And uh, what a stupid move for Chelsea to let him go to United. Mm. What do you make of Arsene Wenger's sudden candour about the fact that in 2002 he could have gone to United, but Arsenal's values kept him at home? 
again, this is he's got a predictable psychology like Mourinho. When he's under pressure, he likes to remind everybody that he's a great Arsenal Wenger and he, he could you know, I could have gone to Real Madrid, I could have gone to PSG. He comes out with this from time. He could have bought a Galactico left <laughs> as well. well that, that's it, there's two <laughs> files, isn't there? Players <laughs> are nearly bought and clubs are nearly managed. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean Arsenal's talking about um about, you know, they might win the league, they might still win the league. Well, if they play Bournemouth every week, yes, perhaps. <laughs> but, you know, it's um, I, I, there is a delusional aspect in Arsene's character that sometimes it drives you mad. Mm. <laughs> and he will, later this week, bemoan the fact that Chelsea will have two more days to prepare for their game on Sunday than his team. Oh. Welcome to the Europa League. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's... Um, it's it, it, it's going to be um, it's going to be a tough night, isn't it for them? You know, it's uh, the realization how the mighty have fallen, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's in the Arsene Wenger bingo complaining about the lack of rest and other teams getting more is, you know, is, is a fairly obvious one. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be um, if if he ever learns anything, the, the Europa League will be a learning curve from this season. <laughs> Do you think he'll? play a relatively weakened side against Cologne? Or can he afford to? Well, yeah, I mean, he has got a huge squad. So the, when he does complain about lack of rest, it would be stupid because he's got, he's got one of the biggest... You know, they, they, they've accrued players, Arsenal. Mm. They can't sell them. One of the problems is they can't sell people. Yeah. They've actually got a lot of players, like Sophia Walcott, who, who, who don't really get on the pitch in the Premier League now. But, you know, they're pretty decent. Certainly Europa League options. So I, I think he should play a different eleven. If he plays a lot of his first eleven, I think that shows you how under pressure he is. Well, I, I, I think the big question is, I mean, where is a weakened side for Arsenal? Does Wenger know his best side? Mm, good point. Certainly, uh, it doesn't strike me like he does. Mm. I saw Chelsea on Saturday. And they, they look very, very strong, and they will get stronger because, as we said earlier on, if you want someone to improve players on a training ground, Antonio Conte is your man. Pretty easy start in the Champions League. Do you share my optimism for them? Not really. There's 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 storm clouds in the background at Stamford Bridge, isn't there? You know, it's um, uh, the, the summer transfer business mm. really really upset Conte, and he's mm. got this. Being very politically correct about all that, isn't he? Yeah, he is very politically. Mm. But but uh, behind the scenes, he's he, he. I think he's he's more on the raging side of things than politically correct. Um, there is this setup at Chelsea, which since the first time Mourinho was sacked, they've decided that create this system where managers are perhaps as important as they should be. And, um, and that's very frustrating for people in the job. Um, he's not got where he wanted during the summer, just like he didn't get where he wanted last year. And he thought after winning the league, uh, he should perhaps be listened to more. And the, the squad is still unbalanced mm. and probably probably a little light, in, well, not light in terms of bodies. You know, they sent tons of players out on loan during the summer. Um, and you wonder whether the, the fantastic feat last year, almost mm. a miracle, but whether he can maintain that over the course of the season and also in Europe. Mm. I was hugely impressed by Timuri Bakayoko. Yeah, what a unit! How yeah. big is he? Yeah, and and he's he's still quite young. I mean, he's 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 a beast. Um, Tony's right that signing selling Matic was was mm. you know moronic, but that doesn't mean that Bakayoko is not a great signing. Mm. You know, they 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 should have had him 
uh, Matic and Kante, and that would be an incredible trio. Um, Bakayoko has got everything you need to, to do in the Premier League to, to succeed. And I think Morata's also a terrific signing for them. And it's a fascinating deal that you know he was, he was their second choice to Lukaku, um, and Lukaku was United's second choice to, to Griezmann. But I actually wonder whether Lukaku was actually the player United needed and Morata was the player that Chelsea needed because Morata's aerial power, his prowess, is fantastic. Right. And Three goals, two assists in five games, yeah. all headers. And that's a team that's got genuine width and can put great crosses in and are very strong at set pieces as well. So um, he's, he's, he's very good for them and we're not, we're not talking about Diego Costa. What, what struck me was the intelligence of his movement. Yeah. He will get chances. Yeah, he's, a, he's like an educated player. You can see he's learnt well from... He's been at a great club and he's played with Cristiano Ronaldo and he's already at 23, 24, got, got a lot of tricks. And he thrived at Juventus. You don't thrive in Serie A as a striker without being clever at finding spaces. Mm. News just in. Uh, Crystal Palace have sacked uh, Frank De Boer. Now, here's a stat for you. They've won 53 points in their last 63 games under three managers. Rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, are they? Well, I mean, the, the decline's unbelievable over the past couple of years. Um, it, not, not last New Year's Day, the New Year's Day before that, they were fifth in the table. And, and after that, they just went into free fall. Um, and I think, well, the, 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 there are a number of things at play. I don't think the business has been very good in the transfer market. Um, and, um, I, I I think they've made bad choices in terms of managers over the years. I mean, I think this this disappointment. Well, we've seen how how successful it was. You know, it was just a, a complete not a mess. But there's there's kind of there is a there's been a failure of a consistent thought there. It's um you know the the um the, the American shareholders have come in and you know sort of with with delusions that they could perhaps mm. win things and win things quickly. And it, it's it's led to a um, a little bit of mishmash of thinking there. Mm. I think, I think they're, they're guilty of trying to move too fast. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we forget about Palace is that this is their fourth season in a row in the champion in the Premier League, which I think historically is their longest stint in the top flight. So they've always been a yo-yo club, um, at best, you know, and. They, they, they've had three or four years of trying to consolidate, or rather trying to survive in the Premier League. And they've gone from, right, OK, we've done, the, we've done Tony Pulis, we've done Big Sam, um, you know, we've had Pardew. Suddenly we want to become Ajax, you know, suddenly we want to become... They've gone from apples to pears, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they suddenly yeah. want to be a top ten club. And, and you know, I, I understand the aspiration of wanting to... We do no longer just want to have yeah. relegation battling seasons. But they haven't... You've, you've, you've got to get somebody that can transition you there. And if there's somebody, you know, if the squad less suited to play the Ajax way, total football, than, you know, one with Jason Punchin and Scott Dan and Martin Kelly. I'm not slagging <laughs> these off as players, but they are not total footballers. So, you know, what was that appointment about? Mm. Four games. Just madness, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I mean, it clearly wasn't working. So, mm. you know, like, uh, the, the, by all accounts, the players weren't having it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I saw them lose to Swansea. And there was, a, there was a moment when they were trying to take the ball out of the back and the defender, I think it was Tompkins, just stopped. <laughs> and he looked around and no one was making any runs. And so we went on another couple of yards, looked again, everyone's still static. So he just hoofed it, which is presumably what he's been brought up to do. Mm. It, it was a team that did not know quite literally what it was mm. doing. 
Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they they look very incoherent and and say the, the players weren't buying into it. So you can't see it getting any better. They played quite well against Burnley yeah. by comparison, but you know it's um uh, they are, I mean it's going to be a really difficult year and it's going to be a, a battle against relegation. I'll serve you a nice gentle half volley outside the off stump. Roy Hodgson to take over? Going down. Going <laughs> down. <laughs> what do you think? Actually, I think I think Roy would probably survive. You know, he 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 would he would do the job that that Allardyce and Pulis did, um, but then the owners wouldn't be any nearer to getting the the sort of champagne football that they obviously crave. Um, I, I when I look at that, I, there's, there's there's young players I worry about, and this is what happens. If, this is where football can be such a horrible business for talents that are trying to develop. You know. De Boer signs Fosu Mensa, Loftus-Cheek and Reinevald, I think it is, mm. from Ajax. Three really talented young footballers and he's got this idea that he's going to develop them. Now, you know, if a Roy Hodgson or Sam Allardyce comes back or something, we know what it'll be. It'll be 4-4-2 and it'll be survival mode. And you've got three talents there that are probably going to spend the rest of the season, you know, trying to get minutes no, from they, the bench. They, they might learn something in a proper framework and then... Proper positions. Will they get used in a relegation battle, though? I mean, mm. no, probably not. Some listeners and viewers' questions. Uh, Mel Palmer says Everton, no organisation against Spurs. What's your view on Coman? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I think he's an impressive character. I think he's a good manager. I think the mistake they made this summer is they didn't get enough pace in. They really lack pace, mm -hmm. and uh, they've got good players. And I think they can be fairly optimistic about the medium term, but this, the, the, they're very static compared to the best teams in the Premier League, and Tottenham exploited that. Um, and they'll have better days. Uh, they, they did look shambolic, and his uh, and Koeman's uh, inability to decide between a back four and a back three yeah. in the early weeks of the season is a bit worrying. But I, I think I think they'll be all right. But you know, so, so I think they'll find the level, and that's seventh again. Do they need a striker though? They do, but but they they've signed too many. They've signed too many players. They've done what Spurs did when they sold Gareth Bale and brought seven kind of mediocre players in. And any club that that signs, I think, more than four or five is going to have a problem because you're you're starting from scratch, socially in terms of the group and and on the pitch in terms of getting a team. But amid all that signing, they didn't they didn't actually replace the bloke they lost, mm. which was mad. Mm. Uh, Eli from San Jose in California says uh, Thierry Henry says he still doesn't know what Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is good at. You? Um, I, I, I can see what he's saying. Um, I think he's probably... He's, he lost his way a little bit at, at um, Arsenal and Wenger. But Wenger's record in improving, particularly young English players, but young players in general over the past four or five years has been... So spotty to say the least. Mm. Um, I, I I don't think I don't think uh, uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain is sure himself where his best position is. He wants to play centrally, and he has a chance to do it at Anfield because you know there's um, Emery Shan and Jordan Henderson, which you know so that you'd think he'd have the opportunity to display. So I think he's more likely to play wide, which um, I'm not so sure is his best position. But where he will be good at is he'll be good at closing people down, he'll be good at pressing, and he'll fit into Klopp's plans. Um, he's a bit too sideways for me uh, when he gives the ball. Perhaps Klopp can get him to get his head up and look forward. Uh, but I guess given Klopp's record with forward-going players, mm. we're going to find out pretty quickly what exactly he can do. 
did Tony hit the nail on the head there, where he said yeah. probably he'll be played wide? Well, he, that defeats the object of the move, surely, if he said he wants yeah. to play central mid. I, I, I think he'll, I think he'll play, I think he'll play quite a bit in the middle as well. I, I, Tony's right; it's, it's most of his starts will probably be in a wider position, but it might be half and almost yeah. half and half. He himself came up with a nice little sidestep to that when he did an interview with Henry Winter, where he said, "I know I'll play wide, but." When you play at Liverpool, there's a lot of interchange, so that's as good as playing in the centre. Because I'll come. I thought I was. He's a bright lad, so that was yeah. logically quite yeah. good. Um, he, Tony's right. He doesn't. He, he himself doesn't know what he's good at, but he recognises that at least. I, I, I like the move because it's a, it's a kid that at least has, has done something really brave, and has decided, you know, has been self-critical almost and said, "Look, I'm drifting, and I need somebody to tell me what to do." And because Klopp is so good at using these type of attacking players, then he probably has gone the right coach. Brad Martin uh, cites a player that you, you mentioned, Sergio Aguero, earlier on. Why is there even any debate about how important he is for City? Well, I, that, that one uh, boggles my mind as well. But the reason is simply that uh, Guardiola doesn't feel that he closes down enough players. He wants them to press the first man and press the second and press the third one. He feels that he does the first job, um, tries a little bit for the second man, but third man, he's, I forget it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be saying to him, I'd be saying, Sergio, save your energy for when you get in the box and the ball's in front of you. Um, but, but that's the reasoning behind it. 25 goals a season, easy, isn't it? Every other team in the Premier League would sign him if he was on, you know, available on the market. Um, He's, and he, he's not going to change. I don't think he's really going to change for, for Guardiola. So this, this tension will probably exist. Uh, and there's also a little bit of... There's certain managers who don't like senior players who've been around yeah, the block right. and who've, who, who speak and, up in, in the dressing room and say, this isn't working. And are identified with previous regimes. Yeah. Which, you know, Vincent Company has suffered from that as well. Mm. Uh, Billy Seacroft is a Toon fan. Mm. Are we going to lose Rafa? <laughs> Um, there's a possibility because if, if the West Ham job becomes available in particular... Which is looking like it will. Which it may well do before long. I think the brothers might go and try and <laughs> try and get, get Rafa, um, which they've tried to before. He was, he was hours from becoming West Ham's manager, of course. Um, and he may well be a candidate. Bilic is demob happy, isn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah, Bilic yeah. is just waiting for the payoff, isn't he? Um, I, I think that the, the problem for Rafa is, is it'll cost five, if not six million pounds to extract him from... His contract and that will put uh, that will put clubs off, um, but I, I wouldn't bet on him being there at the end of the season mm. not at all. And it'll all kick off at Newcastle yet again, won't it? Well, yeah, he's, he was very disappointed at the um, the way the promises on the spending weren't fulfilled. And uh, the, the thing about Rafa is he doesn't just want to survive. He thinks he's mm. got enough there to keep them up. But he wants to win things. He's you know he, he's won almost everywhere, and. You know, he imagines himself going to St James's Park and bringing them the first silverware in I don't know, four hundred and fifty years. And um, and anyway, um, uh, you know, so, so once that's taken off the horizon, he's you know he he he, he, he broods on stuff like that. Mm. Got a broader question from Nick Hart: Have Premier League standard stadiums, in inverted commas, added to the game or stripped it of its personality? It's a brilliant question. Um... I suspect it's added to it for the armchair viewer, which is what increasingly the Premier League's about. Mm -hmm. We get beautiful settings and all that sort of stuff. And it's probably detracted from it as a live spectacle. Um, and the grounds that I enjoy 
going through the most are, are still the older ones. You know, Goodison mm. Park, for example, love going there. You, I loved going to White Hart Lane. Of course, that, that's going to change. But uh, so yeah, that's a, that's what it's done. Mm. And you knew Anfield in the glory days. Yeah, you know. So I think we over romanticise a little bit. You know, I, I remember being as Anfield, you know, when they were dominating Europe and uh, there were 17,000 there and, mm. you know, no one cared about what was going on in the pitch and, you know, in part it was the economic situation, but also there was a little bit of um, uh, win and fatigue going on. So, I mean, I think we romanticised the old days. I mean, the, the stadiums are safer. They haven't got as much atmosphere, but I think that that will be cured in the next decade with the reintroduction of stands and safe stands. And, and I think that'll, that'll give them a little bit more liveliness and atmosphere. Um, I, 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 think, uh, I think things will get better in terms of atmosphere. Mm. And a final question from uh, the guys at Paddock View about agents. Their greed stops players from getting the move they want or need and there's a complete disregard for their duty of care to the player. Do you agree? Uh, it, I don't think we can generalise. It's like all these questions in football. We can't generalise. It certainly applies to certain agents. Yeah. And I think last time I was, I was here, Don Fifield was, was talking about the, the ludicrous situation where Stephen Colker's agent took him to, to Moscow while, while he was you know battling demons and depression, mm. which obviously wasn't something to benefit the player. So that kind of thing happens. But other agents make the players very rich. Which, which everyone wants to be, and, and, they, and they, they're good for their careers. And I would actually say Mina Raiola, the much maligned Mina Raiola, mm -hmm. who, who takes a lot of money out of football, for sure. But if you look at how he's plotted the moves and, and the career paths for his... Surely his 40 plans. million out of one deal? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's how much, just... how much money has he made, Paul Pogba? Uh, yeah, but, and, uh, you know, and, and one of the problems is the conflict of interest. Agents work for the club. The, well, the, the selling club, the buying club, and the player. But the thing is, we only hear about bad agents. We don't know about good agents, and there are lots of good agents who really work hard for the yeah. players, who try and keep them on the right path, and who actually say to them, no, this move is bad for you. I mean, when, when, when um, Stephen Gerrard was going to go to Chelsea back in the 70s, you know, his agent, Strum Marshall, was saying, you, yeah. you're better off staying in Zanfield. Yeah. And, you know, people don't see that. They don't hear about that. Yeah. They just see the bad guys. There are loads of good guys. Yeah. Pretty much out of time. That's a final question. Back to where we began. Yeah. Champions League, which of the British teams has the best chance? I think only three can win it, and it's the top three of the Premier League at the moment, the Manchester clubs and Chelsea. Um, but City, to me, would be the, the ones I bet on because I think they're, they've are they just got the firepower. It's fantastic. Um, and I worry about them defensively, but they may find that they are not getting asked some of the questions, that the direct football questions that they'll get asked in the Premier League. I would faint if any of them got past the quarterfinals. Really? I think City, with playing against an intelligent and classy continental side, will be picked apart. And um, I, I don't see any of them getting anywhere near. Um, if Tottenham got the group, they could spring a surprise by the way they play. But I think, well, I think the quarterfinals is also a good ambition for Tottenham. Well, I'm a bit more optimistic. Barca are beatable. Bayern are in transition. United to make the final, but that's their lot. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.